And it's time for WIP Sunday here on 94 WIP All Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon, and it's going to be a rainy WIP Sunday. So no matter where you go, take your umbrella, your raincoat, and take 94 WIP with you. Always good conversation, no matter what the weather, here on WIP. And when we come back after these messages, we're going to continue our theme that we've had going for the past hour of love. Valentine's Day is around the corner. Wednesday, have you gotten your cards yet, your candy, your gift? Well, think about it. It's not too late to get out there and go shopping. It's for your own good, and it's for her own good or his own good as well. No matter what you do, remember to say, I love you. And when we come back in just a bit, we've talked about love of child, love with our children, love with our girlfriends, love with our wives or husbands, and we're going to talk about the love of animals for us. When we speak with author, animal person, Sandra Mendelson, her new book, We Walk Beside You. All this and more coming up here in 94 WIP, WIP Sunday. My name's Peter Solomon. More in just a bit. And we're back, and it's 94 WIP, and I'm pleased to welcome here Sandra Mendelson, Sandra's new book, We Walk Beside You. She shares messages for us from the animal world. Good morning, Sandra Mendelson. Good morning, Peter. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Sandra, I mean, nothing can cheer me up than when I come home and I'm mugged by my dog or my cat as I walk in the door. That feels like love. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, uh, what I have uh, to share, I guess, via this book is um, was a big surprise to me in in how... uh, animals have come through to share their perspectives on life. And I think one of the most poignant things was how they view love. And so that unconditional love that you feel from your pets is not just the way they are. It's a choice they make. They choose how they show up for you. When a horse is trotting around, for example, he will show up even if his leg hurts because that's love. Hmm. So the theme of love in the animal world um, is very powerful, and I think that's why everybody knows when they're with their pets that they are loved unconditionally. It doesn't matter what you look like, whether you've been nasty that day, you are unconditionally loved. And the animals are holding that space so we can perhaps emulate them in certain ways and experience love without judgment or comparison. How do you know, though, what your pet, the pets are saying or doing? Is it simply instinct? Well, you know what? All humans have the ability to receive messages from their animals. If you think, as much as those Dr. Doolittle films are fantastic, but if you expect to be walking and having this running dialogue, you're probably going to be disappointed because there are like eight different kinds of ways that humans can receive animal, animal messages. You just have to figure out what your way is. And that instant knowing, for example, I just know my dog doesn't feel well, or I just know that he wants to go out and he hasn't even shown me any sign, is one way. Um, I happen to hear words, which is a little bit less common. Many people can close their eyes and see images or even smell something and get a message. You just have to take the time to find out what your methods are. 
But the most important thing is to trust what you feel because it's right. (laughs) That's what the animals keep saying, especially dogs, that they are here to help us trust ourselves and our inner knowing. How did you know, though, you were hearing words and where (laughs) they were coming from? Well, it didn't happen when I was a kid. Um, It didn't happen to me until pretty late in life when I was doing body work on a horse and I was alone in a seven-degree barn and I'm down on my hands and knees and I hear this voice boom in my head, this hay is crap. (laughs) (laughs) And I look up and I notice that he's like flinging the hay away with his nose trying to get to the bottom of the bale. About five, ten minutes later, one of the humans, uh, one of the horse moms walks in and said, there's mold all over the hay. And I didn't know anything about hay. I'm sorry to admit it. To me, it looked fine. So it went from that to stuff that I heard a few weeks later from another horse that completely blew my doors in. I could not have made this stuff up. And it took me a full three years until I would really believe that I didn't just have some creative surge. I needed a lot of proof, as humans do, by solving problems that humans had by getting the answers from their animals. And so it it wasn't something innate, although young children, especially up till the age of four, if you ask them, those abilities are still fresh and not covered over by squashing ourselves into the monkey mind and going, you know, living in the life of the brain. So it, it is about encouraging young ones to use these innate skills that we have. But anybody really can develop these, let's say uncover these abilities within themselves because they are innate. But when you heard that horse say, this hay is crap, did you think you were going maybe a little nuts? Um... It's, I, I think it startled me, and I laughed a little bit. But then I heard, like, little murmurings from other horses in the barn, and I went, oh, boy. <laughs> and I immediately uh, looked up an animal communicator to see if I could take a, a, a two-day class. And, you know, when you're in a group with a bunch of people that are using their intuitive abilities, they'll say, okay, what do you get from this dog named Peter? And you, you don't even have a picture. And people write down what they get, and you go around the room. And you're like, oh, my goodness, look at all these similar messages. I mean, there is intuitive knowing that we have. And you, um, so, so you really just need to trust what you get. And I, I had to trust what I was getting, of course, especially since I saw him flinging hay away and really disgusted with it. Um, so, yeah, it was a little bit startling, but it made a lot of sense, especially, you know, when my friend's horse wouldn't jump and they brought in every specialist. He was spooking all the time. And one night I'm brushing my teeth and I see his image, if you will, like kind of behind my eyes. And I get, I can't see straight. Everything's all wavery. I need glasses. And I get crushing headaches and I don't know when they're going to come. And I told the owner, get his head adjusted. And sure enough, she brought in the chiropractor. His head, uh, his well, let's just say his, his, he was off balance. His head and neck connection were not on point, and he had abscesses in his mouth. And once he was adjusted, he let out a huge sigh. He put his head on his human mom's chest, and he has been sailing over the jumps for the last two years without a problem. So, you know, little stories like that um, give you 
confidence that you're not making this up, that it's, it's collective consciousness and we really can tap into it. Hmm. You're almost implying all living things are linked. I am absolutely implying all living things are linked. And if I've learned nothing else from the animal world, they experience the oneness that we don't. We have to acknowledge it with our brain. We have to say, okay, I believe it. But animals live it. When, when a blue whale told me, we wish you could experience what it is like to move through something and know that you are one with it, hurting it would be like wounding yourselves. You know, when, when you hear something like that, it takes your breath away because the animal world lives very differently than we do. They have a tremendous amount of compassion for us. And most of the book, when I just turned the floor over to them, they, came, they just kept sharing what they wanted us to know so we could be happier. Go with the flow of life. Trust the process. Listen to signals from our bodies when we're in an unfitting situation and have more joy. Um, they communicate through the thought stream. You know, they, I mean, scientists know that animals don't just bark and meow and move. They, they have lots of nonverbal ways that they communicate. And what they've shared with me is that they do a lot more communicating through the thought stream than vocally. Hmm. So they know the power of thought, and that's what they want us to believe. It's a big cognitive leap for certain people that every thought matters because it affects matter. I mean, I heard that from a horse named Honeybee. <laughs> you, make so, the, you make the most sound philosophical. Well, you know something? That is what the animal kingdom has taught me, and there's more coming for sure. Um, if you tap into meditation groups, and they're being formed right now, humans, um, across the world, there is... You, you notice that people even speak to each other differently when they're coming from a higher place. The animals come through that way. There is a respect for the planet, for living beings, for, all, for each other, um, that kind of ra that raises you up to your best self, if that makes any sense. Mm. So love to get back on, on your... Uh, this exciting topic, because <laughs> um, <laughs> it is. I mean, humans do some interesting things uh, in in their pursuit of love, and animals have a very different experience of than we do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, can I share something? Please. With you, this is something a gorilla said to me, because because um, I asked the animal kingdom what they thought about romantic love, and that was probably my favorite chapter. And the gorilla just, this is a tiny clip, said, love is values and choices put into action, choosing the high road for the best of everyone to the best of your ability. The romantic thing is unique to humans. It causes extremes of pleasure and pain and has addictive qualities to it. In the animal world, love is a steady fire, warm, soft, kind, understanding, patient, and free of judgment and comparison. I like it. So there's much, there's much, much more. But um, when, the, when, you, mm -hmm, yeah, go ahead. when you hear yeah. the animals, do you hear them in different voices or in one voice? I'm glad you said that. I, um, 
some come through with very unique voices. I mean, the hippo literally sounded like Louis Armstrong. I think I laughed during the entire channeling. <laughs> um, yes, they do have different tones. Squirrels are very matter-of-fact, very in the moment. The big cats are dead serious, uh, the lions and tigers. Mm -hmm. um, and then the big animals, and then this will be in the next book, the whales, elephants, and horses um, are very spiritual beings. There's a lot more to what they do energetically. I mean, when animals came through like a water buffalo, um, I, I, don't, I had no idea about what their existence contains. You know, the intention behind animal behavior, I think, has just opened my eyes in a way I, I couldn't have imagined. The purpose behind what they do. And, and, you know, we humans have been wrong about a lot of stuff, meaning we say it's instinct, we see animals fighting, we think it's over a mate. There is much, much more to the picture um, that's in the book. And they are very respectful of each other. You know, they will leave a place if the other animals are not happy. So remember, what we catch on camera is a tiny little glimpse and really not the underpinnings, the consciousness of, of animals. That is something they're starting to share now more than ever because I think we are waking up. And so that's why all of this stuff came through now to and help us evolve. Mm -hmm. And you're listening to WIP Sunday here on 94 WIPL Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Sandra Mendelson, her new book about animal communication, We Walk Beside You. They shared, she shares the messages our world so badly needs. Sandra, I need you to stay with me. Got to run a few commercials, but we'll be back in just a bit. And we're back. It's WIP Sunday. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Sandra Mendelson. She communicates with animals and talks about it in her new book, We Walk Beside You. It shares the messages our world so badly needs. Sandra, my wife and I have an elderly dog, part Cocker Spaniel, part Poodle, mix, and she seems to be in a world all her own. Um, she doesn't see too well. Her head is always down, sniffing the ground, walking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, very often walking in circles. Um, doesn't bark, doesn't communicate much of anything, doesn't cuddle. She'll stop occasionally to get petted, but that's it. Is it like people and eventually the mind goes? That's a good question um, because clearly, I, I mean, has the dog been that way her whole life? No. Ah, no. when did this start? At what age? Oh, goodness, about a year, year and a half ago maybe. And she's how old? Oh, I'm not even sure. We adopted her as a rescue, so we're not sure about exactly how old. I mean, there was a point when I came home from a hospitalization in 2016 and tried to get back into the bed with my wife. I'd get, and see teeth. I don't even get that anymore. Well, you know what happens? Yes, 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 yes. Remember, they age, and there are some really interesting age charts that the first year of a dog's life is not, it's not seven years. It's not seven human years for each year. It's like 15 in the first year. And they're about 24 years old by the end of year two. Um, and then it kind of decreases after that. But, yes, they, they do age. And very often they have, uh, you know, an impairment of um, 
their senses, which is, you know, for a dog, for example, it's worse if they lose their hearing than if they lose their vision. They rely on their sense of smell, but, you know, when hearing goes, that's very challenging for them. So your your dog can be um, having some sensory decline that has not been detected and is compensating, you know, focusing down into the earth because the earth has a lot of energy and animals feel that. Um, so she may be going into her, her own world because, from a sensory perspective, it's just not all there anymore. Um, it's hugely important for the, you know. My wife and I did a, did a little Googling, and we discovered two things, and we're not sure which it is. It's either doggy Alzheimer's or doggy attention deficit disorder. Well, you know, again, that's just in, from an intuitive perspective. I'm just not getting that at this age she's got ADD, um, especially if she didn't have it. when. I don't, doggy ADD, I don't know, i got a problem with that. It doesn't resonate with me. Doggy Alzheimer's, you know, a decline in, in cognitive function. Mm -hmm. Remember something, that the body is subject to things that definitely cause deterioration in the nervous system. Toxicity, pesticides, vaccinations. These things can, and my veterinarian is very outspoken about, what can happen to a dog's body. So, you know, and again, not to blame yourself. This is just, you know, part of life. So... I would go, you know, more with that it's it's age-related decline. That, you know, you, it, you, you just have to treat her with the love and sensitivity that you would a human elder. That it's just not all there the way it used to be. The spunk isn't there anymore. And you love them and make life easier for them because it isn't as easy as it used to be. It's hard sometimes, though. They get, they get underfoot. They make messes. They chew on your slippers. All those things we don't like about animals. Oh, I, I know people that are going through that with their mothers and their fathers right now. Okay. Um, I hate to think of my mother or father chewing on my slippers, but I think I know what you mean. <laughs> maybe not the, making the messes, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's, and it's humiliating, you know. Um, so the best thing that I can, I can possibly say is to treat your dog the way you would an elder, that it's not her fault. Hmm. It's not a deliberate choice. Absolutely not. They choose love. They choose to send you energy all the time. And it's distressing to them when they can't. I, I just recently did a session for um, someone's dog. And the first thing that the dog said is that it's two things. It was very, he was very unhappy because he feels so bad and he hadn't been diagnosed yet. And he couldn't watch over her human newborn baby. And the other thing he said was he was worried about a blonde, a blind white pit bull. The owner had no idea what I was talking about and just called me a couple of days ago and said, now I know. The neighbor's dog was in the middle of the street. I've never been close to it. I went up to see if I could help him, and I, he turned around, and he was a white pit bull, and one eye was not working. It was Ooh. completely closed. So this is the way animals function. When their needs are met, they give. When you give them food and love and a good home, they are sending you energy all the time. They're helping your kids go to sleep. I mean, there's, there's so much that they do energetically that we are unaware of. And I hope I shed light on some of that in the book. Um, right down to affecting our thoughts, in a, always in a positive way. Always. In, they are energetic beings. So if, if nothing else, I hope that people will take a peek at the book to, to have the door open for them. 
so they truly see what's going on behind the eyes of animals. And it's, it, there's nothing negative in there. There's nothing like, oh, look what humans have done. It's, it, it's, not, it's not a book like that. If, it, if, hmm? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm done. <laughs> if, if we're mean to dogs, can we change our behavior and get them to change? If, say that again. If we are mean it, to, to, them, a do- to an animal, can we change can, our behavior and get their behavior to change? Can we change always. how we relate? Always within us. Remember something. Dogs, they communicate through the thought stream. So if you see all of a sudden you've got a friend that comes over and your dog growls and the, dog, the person didn't even do anything, it's the quality of their thoughts. It is their energy. What are they carrying? What are those private conversations between their left ear and their right ear? Animals know. And the worst thing you can be is incongruent, meaning if you feel a certain way inside, let's say you're angry, and you say, oh, how wonderful it is to meet you, animals are never incongruent. They cannot, it is so incomprehensible and stressful for them when they see humans who are phony, who are not what they're feeling. Hmm. So, yes, the most important thing when you're to get a dog's behavior to change, and again, you know, they, they come with a past, especially a rescue that preceded you. You know, they have wounds and scars, and they're all at different levels of development. Some are very chill and very zen, like my dog, regardless of his past, and others are struggling with what has happened to them uniquely, just as humans. So, to remember that Number one, if, if you want them to change, see only what you want them to do. Dogs don't recognize no and not and don't. <laughs> Go sit on the couch. Come with me on a walk. Great job that you're hanging with Tommy, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Always positive. See and see in your mind, okay, I want him to come sit with me on the couch. It does, it does take practice, but that is truly communicating with dogs on the level that, you know, the way that they function and the way they communicate. So using your thoughts positively and using your words positively, only what you want to have happen. But if dogs don't hear no, how do you get them to stop bad behavior? Well, trainers use different sounds. You know, because they do obviously respond to a harsh sound. So if you do, eh, eh, you know, but but the word no is is just not recognizable. They recognize your tone. You know, if if I come home and my dog couldn't hold it and he peed on the floor, you know, he knows I'm angry and he looks like he's sulking because he feels me and he knows my thoughts. But you know, I clean it up and get over and and get over with it because it was an accident. But no and don't and can't and won't don't exist in the animal world. I hate to say it. Hmm. Is there an overall message that animals are trying to give us, no matter what the animal? Mm. So so very many, but I think I'm going to go. I've, I've repeated it, and I'm going to repeat it again, because if you distill it all down, what the animal kingdom is trying to share with us is that everything is energy, including your thoughts and your thoughts are breathtakingly powerful to change things around you. The animal world does not focus on hardship. They don't focus on their past. They choose to be positive. 
whether I've heard it from birds or whales or dogs or cats or lions and tigers. It's always use your thoughts to focus on what you want more of. You, you hear this in spiritual groups as well because what you focus on grows. So that is our job as humans. We, we have this crazy monkey mind to try to lasso it and just say, okay, I'm going to focus on what I want to see. I'm going to communicate that way with my animals. I'm going to focus on what I want in, in my life because animals really do believe in the exquisite power of the mind to create reality. Why do you think this is so helpful to humans, the animal perspective? Well, you know something? Imagine, just the first thing that pops into my mind is always, can you imagine spending your life without ever once looking in a mirror? Nope. Now, that's a really good one right there, right there, because we spend so much time criticizing the way we look and focusing on what the animals say, you know, is simply our external shell that you must love and care for but not identify with because when it is scarred and weathered with age, your internal light is not. That one was from a gorilla also. So number one, um, imagine that you're not living in your shell, that the shell doesn't mean everything, how you evaluate yourself and others. They, they learn self-love from birth and see no difference between loving themselves and loving someone else, whereas humans see them as two separate things. Again, the oneness. They see the interconnectedness of all life, that web that people, certain people are talking about. The animals actually see it. So imagine if you take an action, let's say you do something nasty, and you immediately see that reverberating and how it affects others by, by this web. It would be very mind-blowing to you. But animals truly experience that. They accept the purpose and the rhythm of life. They go with the ups and the downs. They know there are days they don't feel well. They, can, they don't try to control life like humans do. They, they are in sync with energetic flow. There are ebbs and there are flows. Um, a huge one, imagine this one, they have the certainty of knowing, not believing, the existence and importance of spirit or, you, or God or the all or all that is or the universe, whatever we humans want to call it, and that death is an illusion and that they will come back. I mean, that one really, really, really blew my mind. Um, imagine having no fear. I mean, I, I had a, a skunk tell me that death is a human construct. They're just hanging in their bodies for a while until they break down, and then they take a little rest, and then they get a new model, like a car. <laughs> and if you think they keep picking the same make, model, and color each time, you couldn't be more wrong. They pick different vehicles for different lessons. This time he's a skunk. Next time a walrus, or a porpoise perhaps, or even a human. But you have to be ready for that because it's complicated and you have to live in your head and have your senses dumbed down. I mean, there's a lot in the book that might be, you know, challenging for people. And again, you know, at the beginning I, I say to the reader, if you just get quiet enough, you will know if what you're reading is true or not. You know, you're driving the bus. 
you can take what you want from this because they're the animals speak to people at all different levels of awareness and belief. So, you know, you will find the squirrels absolutely hilarious. They're very much in the present moment. And the other animals will take your breath away by the depth of their wisdom and understanding of life. Um, you know, they, they also fully grasp that an individual life is designed to deliver the lessons that our soul requires for its own growth. That's huge. Um, so, you know, these are just a couple of the reasons why their wisdom is so powerful for us because they don't live in the monkey mind. They do communicate through the thought stream and understand the power of energy. They don't identify with their bodies. They care about the light within they accept the purpose and rhythm of life, that you, instead of trying to control something, you set an intention and then look for signs. So they function in a way that is so different from us that I believe their perspective can truly help us because they're not stuck in the human condition. They're not stuck in our limitations. It's almost as though I can hear the circle of life from the Lion King playing. <laughs> I'm kind of glad to hear you say that <laughs> because I, I felt the same way when when all of this came through and I had to put it in some sort of order and I had just seen The Lion King and um, it was, uh, well, eh, two years before I saw The Lion King, but it was so powerful and, and shocking um, that the animal world lives this way and we can slow down a little bit. I mean, that's probably the number one lesson that I've heard from so many animals. If you slow down, you can hear the rhythm of your own heartbeat. You will get better answers. Hmm. You'll be able to tap into your own wisdom and observe signs and things around you that, you, that animals do all the time. They read your facial movements and your scent and your energy and I mean, we have so much wisdom inside, but if we don't slow down a little bit and get outside into nature when you can and just hear your, your own breath, how on earth can you hear the wisdom inside yourself? So I, that is what the, the animal kingdom is driving us towards. That is one of their major messages for us, that we are so powerful and so wise, and we just need to slow down and listen. And you're listening to WIP Sunday. My name's Peter Solomon. More with Sandra Mendelson, author of We Walk Beside You. Sandra, stay with me. We'll be back in just a bit. And we're back. It's WIP Sunday. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Sandra Mendelson, at Communicator with Animals. She writes about it in her new book, We Walk Beside You. She shares the messages our world so badly needs. Sandra, did you ever meet an animal who had nothing to say? <laughs> you know what? Um, it's always their right and their prerogative whether they want to speak or not. The answer is a resounding yes. Not every single animal in the world will talk with me. Um, there are certain squirrels that are very vocal and can't wait to be heard. And, and uh, you know, other – I had a horse that said, I, I'm, I'm thinking over how I feel about this subject, and it took three months until he decided he had something he wanted to contribute um, and yes, absolutely. Um, again, if you kind of, I mean, they even have super athletes in the animal world. That one 
was hilarious to me um, to hear this from a squirrel. So they're, they're much more like us than you would possibly imagine. Some are going to want to talk. Some are going to say, don't waste my time. You're, you know. Um, but the answer is yes. There, you always ask permission. You know, when I'm doing an animal communication session, you need the permission of the human. You need the permission of the animal. The animal has to feel that they will not betray their human. Um, so far, they've all had stuff to share with their human. Um, I, I didn't get a blank slate, but I, there's always the possibility that um, that they won't. But usually their partnership with their human is so profound that when a human is open enough and says, you know, will you do a reading and asks permission of their animal, um, the animal steps forward in, to create more love, more understanding. Um, between them and strengthen the bond. If we learn one thing from your book, what do you want us to learn? Ah, um, wow. There is this magical, really magical to me, world right underneath our noses that we really have had no idea about. The consciousness, the awareness, the intention in inside of animal life is absolutely breathtaking. And we have so much to learn and enjoy from them and with them and become wiser and stronger ourselves when we heed what they have to share with us. When we are not, you know, for, for the normal person who is, has not yet, you know, had got received messages from animals. To be quiet enough to just observe, just share the reality with your animal. No earbuds, no cell phone. Be in the moment because the second your mind is in the past or the future or you're on your phone or you're thinking about something, you've just shut them out of your reality. So if you spend and there are so many books that people are writing about their connection with their horse or their dog and the rescue and what they've learned. The lessons come when you, you turn off that chatterbox of your mind and you start sharing life through the eyes of the animal that you love. Um, so I, I think the lesson from them is that joy is really the purpose of life. And it comes from the simple things, not the complicated things. It comes from decomplicating your life. Being fully in the present also boosts your immune system because as I have heard from certain animals, that constant little chatter and the worry and stuff like that that we have in our mind really suppresses our immune function. So being with your animal or even out in the wild, uh, you know, just being in the present moment is really good for your health. Um, and that is predicated on the power of thought. The animals know it. We are waking up to it. Power of thought to make you sick, to make you happy, to change how you look out at life from behind your eyes. Um, I think these are the messages of the animal kingdom. They want humans to be happier. They want us to slow down and trust ourselves. 
my wife and I recently added a cat to our menagerie. And um, the cat will jump up in my lap and we'll have a cuddle. And that's going to be nice. And there are other times he'll jump on my nap, my lap and I'll be reading a book. And he pokes the book till I put it down and pays attention to him. Pay attention to him. <laughs> you got a smart cat. Is that what it is? Your cat is trying to focus you. Hello, back to the topic on love. Love is the purpose. Experience love. Know the love inside of you. And when your animal is asking for attention and saying, be with me now, it is a gift. Hmm. It is the gift that they have to share with us above all. What does my, my dog say? Knowing the full extent of love in your own heart. Your own ability to love is even much bigger than you think. And that's what they're trying to show you. It had to be hard to get this book published, though. <laughs> let, alone to, let alone to write it. I mean, once you wrote it, to put the manuscript out there and get a publisher interested, I would imagine a lot of them thought this woman's nuts. I self-published. I published on Amazon exactly for that reason because, you know, when you have new thought, which this is, um, you can't expect uh, an old establishment to embrace it because they base what they get involved in on what has been successful in the past. And people always like to talk about the story of J.K. Rowling. Not that I think I'm going to, you know, I mean, but just think of her her manuscripts for Harry Potter were rejected like a hundred times. Mm-hmm. And, and look at what happened with that. And that's just pure entertainment and fantasy. Um, this is, is not fantasy, which makes it perhaps even harder to um, get out there. But you know something? Everything starts from somewhere. Everything starts as something new and untried. So um, it was a love offering. You know, I felt that it was such a gift for this to come through me. And I kept saying, I just want my ego to stay out of it. What do you want humans to know? I didn't want my beliefs, my fears, my limitations to color what the animals were saying. It still had to filter through my consciousness. As they say, they slow down thought so that I can record it. Um, but, you know, any, I would always kind of ground myself and, and, uh, and ask for guidance so that I, it wasn't, it's, it's not the, the me show. It's, they have the floor, and I just wanted to honor their intention. So whoever is meant to read it will read it. Um, I've been thrilled that people have contacted me from all over the world, from New Zealand and England and Canada and Italy, saying that reading this book validates what they have thought their animals were saying. Um, That is perhaps the most important gift coming out of all of this. That, that being part of this whole wake-up, this human wake-up, waking up to our own intuitive abilities and our sixth sensory skills, um, it's all part of the rise of what will heal this world. So um, I guess, you know, if you have that kind of perspective, yeah, it's hard to publish it, but you just get it out there and trust it'll go where it's supposed to go. <laughs> As we've been talking, I flashed upon a TV show from my childhood. There used to be a show called The People's Choice. Have you ever seen it? It had a talking, it had a basset hound who shared her thoughts with the audience, but not with her humans. 
I never saw that. Wow. You might oh want to Google. You might want to Google it. The dog's name was Cleo, and she shared her thoughts, and they were very funny and very satirical. Oh, I love that. Well, I have to tell you, there is no shortage of humor humor in the animal world. The squirrels and what they say will crack you up, and I encourage people to try the squirrel experiment, which is the following: If you're outside, and you know most squirrels will run away from you on purpose because of what they know about humans, but if one happens to be at least, you know, a few feet away from you and doesn't run immediately. In your mind, using your mind, not your mouth, say, good morning. How are you? It's lovely to see you. Or some kind of greeting like that. Do this. If, it doesn't, if they don't respond the first time, they will in a few times because they'll just hang off the tree and stare at you and go, what? Incredulous that a human because they hear your thoughts. So you may think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, good morning, how are you? And I'm a loony. And when you start seeing animals respond to that, you've got the validation that, aha, they really do hear our thoughts. They communicate that way. What's, you are not outside looking in. You really can connect. What's next, Sandra Mendelson? Oh, boy. <laughs> Well, my dog has pushed me to do a lot of channelings um, from animals for children in order to, like his passion project is, you know, that kids have these abilities and if we just water them a little bit like a plant each day, they won't be covered over and forgotten when other influences set in, for example, when they're in, they go to school. So that one is much more challenging for me because I can't write fake stories. I, and, and somehow in order to package this for children, I have the channelings, but I haven't figured out where that goes. And at the same time, there's much more about the spiritual lives of animals. I mean, stuff that's much more out there, and that's coming through slowly um, whenever they see fit kind of thing. So um, I don't know. We'll see where this goes. <laughs> Got a website, Sandra Mendelson? I do. Um, my website is S Mendelson. That's M E N D E L S O N dot com, and that's where you can find out everything from you know my blog to uh, you know ordering the book. And I actually created a deck of animal message cards because I found the stuff so profound. I was making post-its and sticking them all over the apartment. So instead, I came out with a deck, and people are telling me they're using them like oracle cards, where like they'll just say, "Okay, what do I need to hear today?" and they'll pull a card and be so surprised that that message is exactly what they needed. And I didn't position them that way. I just said, you know, here's, you could make it daily wisdom from the animals, if you will, because we need something that's a sound bite that we can just stick in front of us. And I'd like to say thank you to Sandra Mendelson, her new book, We Walk Beside You. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Peter. It's been my pleasure, and it's been WIP Sunday. Stay tuned for Sports Talk with Sunny Hill. Finally, thank you, Phil Jackson, this morning's producer, and Ann Tideman-Solomon, my dear wife and associate producer. Love is in the air, whether it's from your animals or the man, woman, child, parent you love. Think about it.